Welcome to episode two of the Carlson Cards podcast. So if you're new here, I'm Austin. I'll be your host today. Today we dive in super deep with one of the coolest collectors that I know. Our guest Paul has been collecting for decades and I dive into the type of questions that I've always wanted to ask a collector who has just the collection to be frank of the caliber that Paul has. He collects many sports, many sets, tons and tons of iconic cards that you guys will recognize. I hope you guys enjoy and if you'd be so kind, don't forget to like, subscribe and if you're on a podcast app, hit that follow button. Now let's jump right over to the interview. All right, welcome everybody to the second episode, or should I say podcast here of the Carlson Cards podcast. Uh, so today's episode, we have an amazing, amazing guest. So a guy, I will toot his horn a little bit. So I've followed Paul for a long time. Um, one of those pages on Instagram where I try to just look what he does and I feel like the direction he moves and the cards he picks up, that's kind of the stuff in place like I want to be. Um, so again, and Paul, you do seem like a hot commodity. I know you were on um, an Instagram live last week and then you were um, on the Stacking Slabs podcast, which will be releasing tomorrow. So I promised Brett, if you're listening, I didn't copy you. I took Paul first, but I, now I know he's going to be on tomorrow. But hopefully there's a good part two where we can, um, you know, touch on some different things. So how are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, these things kind of come in waves. I, I thought there was like some uh, some media uproar in, in the background that I didn't know. Like you guys uh, banded together and just says like, like I'm going to be punked or something here. But uh, I'm happy to uh, be featured uh and, and a variety of places. Uh, I enjoy this a lot. So looking forward to our conversation. Awesome. Yeah, really excited to have you. And I guess up front too, I just want to mention as well, like looking at your page, what always stood out to me is the the breadth and the amount of players. And it's just crazy. You know, you have hockey, you have basketball, you have football, and then you have gold prisms, you have PMGs, right? It's just like these cards that I always felt like were these grails and you have acquired so many of them. Um, so super excited to learn more about that. Uh, so just first off, super high level, you know, for those of uh, the viewers here who are listening um, and don't know you, could you give a little overview of maybe like your collecting, how you got started, um, any personal life kind of stuff you want to share? Yeah, I mean, so I always just like enjoyed cards when I was a kid, even, you know, I don't know, three years old, Christmas came, you know, just it, that's where it started, right? And every every bit of money I could to, going to 7-Eleven or Toys R Us or, or whatever, trading when we were kids in the neighborhood. Um, and then, you know, I kind of just, my cards were in a box for a long time. And uh, I met my wife um, and her dad just happened to be a card collector in the army when, when he was uh, stationed in Germany. And he wanted, you know, we kind of bonded over that. We got back together, did a table one time just out of the blue. And it was just like the best experience ever. And we just did that together for years. Um, he retired from it. Uh, so I kind of just kept it going. And uh, here we are now. I mean, it's it's the same awesome, fun hobby it was when I was three years old. I'm still trading with friends and meeting new people, learning new things. So um, just love it every day. That's awesome. And so we were kind of chatting before this too. You know, life obviously has changed over these decades for you. You have a couple kids now, it sounded like. What do your kids and significant other think about the collecting? How's that been for you? Have you been able to share some of it with them as well? Yeah, they think it's cool, but you know, like none of them are into sports and I, and I'm a sports head. <laughs> I played sports. I studied sports, you know, I, it's my hobby in, in so many ways. So I, I do explain things to them. My daughter just loves shiny things. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes it will, it will literally, when I'm trying to make a decision, it will come down as simple to ask my daughter, Hey, which one looks cooler? You know what I mean? Uh, what do you think? So um, no, they love it. And you know, my wife is used to it with her dad used to, used to do it. So she's really happy that I was able to kind of take that over and kind of like 
you know, carry on a legacy because, you know, he meant a lot to me too. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing. Um, and so a good segue here, you mentioned shiny cards. I have a shiny card here that I'm going to share on um, screen here on YouTube, but we'll have to describe it for those listening on the podcast. Um, so I saw recently, um, and I think you were, you know, even you and I, I think had chatted a little bit about this. You had an opportunity to pick up an Alexander Ovechkin superfractor. Um, I believe it's still called a superfractor. You have to inform me if that's incorrect. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about this pickup, but before we do, could you give a super high level of who Alexander Ovechkin is for those, um, you know, comparable type of players? Maybe people are familiar with basketball or football. Like, who is this guy? I know I'm familiar, but I'm sure not everybody necessarily is if they don't follow hockey. So, I mean, I just for for just to put it into simplest terms, to me, he's the greatest scorer, goal scorer of all time. So whoever you think's the greatest scorer in, in, in football, you know, home run hitter, and, and baseball, whoever that is to you, that's what Alex is to hockey. You know, uh, he's chasing Gretzky right now, um, who is still to me the greatest of all time. Um, but as, as a pure scorer, it's Alex Ovechkin. He's also a freaking freight train, which I love. I love his game so much. I mean, he can have the puck be going, you know, 30 miles an hour and run someone over and not skip a beat, you know, so just the way he plays, the energy, he's just a, a tank and, and he just has a, a fully loaded cannon on him. I mean, he's he's awesome to watch. So the limited knowledge I have, that felt like the perfect explanation for him. I, <laughs> the first thing I did when I started following hockey a little bit, and I'll confess, this is like the first year I've really paid attention. You and I have chatted a little bit. I just want to learn a little more. Um, I, I looked up his fight highlights. Those are super entertaining. I mean, he's a he's a beast, man. Yeah. Um, but anyway, when it comes when it comes to this card, would you mind sharing, like, I guess, number one, how this happened, the significance of the card, and then maybe what did it take to get a card of this caliber? Did you have to sell or move any cards to get this kind of card? Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of things to that. So this is this is actually it's an OPG Platinum Golden Treasures one of one. It's an OPG Platinum Retro, in fact. So they have a base set and then they have a retro set that kind of runs parallel with it. Um they usually, in many cases, I actually prefer the retro design over the base design. But but the way I can best describe OPG Platinum in itself is probably similar to a Topps Chrome. So you can see this has the exact same design and finish as a Superfractor, which is great. You know, similar to like a, a gold vinyl as well. Um, so this this came in my inbox, you know, and this is like, I really wasn't prepared. You know, I, I talked to this person about cards, uh, Dan Vincent. He's a, he's an awesome hockey guy. He's the reason I created a Twitter. I don't use Twitter for anything else other than this guy's epic sales. So if you have Twitter, go and follow Dan Vincent. He's awesome. We've made a lot of Ovechkin specific deals on things that he wasn't really prepared to move, but just messaged me and gave me first shot. Um, and with this one, he gave me a price. It was the exact price. You know, I was thinking a hundred bucks less, but I was like, you know what? Thank you for coming to me. And like, yes, I will take that. I, I said yes so fast. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, I've, this is my first one. I own a lot of Ovechkin 101s um, throughout all different brands. Um, and this is my first, other than a printing plate, my first OPG Platinum 101 Ovechkin. 
That's awesome. I, um, well, just first off incredible card, but I also, you mentioned here about the being off by a hundred dollars and that's interesting. Cause actually, um, you know, talking to Brett last week, that was a big theme that I got from the conversation with him was to not fight the little, you know, like, okay, all of us want to get the best deal we can, but when you're trying to build that relationship with the person, you know, it seems to me that you don't argue with, and it sounds like that's what you did in this case. Is that right? Yeah, you know, he's done me solids. Um, I thought that like our, our prior deals were fair. Um, and I just like the guy, you know, <laughs> it, it just, you know, and, and and sometimes if it's if it's something that like, hey, like, you know, I have to I have to be smart about this for this one. I, I just wanted it. And the, to me, the price was reasonable. So, yeah, and I suppose one theme with it, too, before we move on to the next thing, you know, when I see a card like that, it's not like you're thinking, oh, I have to get $100 less so I can buy this and then go sell it. But I need that $100 difference to make money. I mean, I'd imagine that's not even entering your your mind, picking up a card like this, which is the best kind of pickup, right? Yeah, no, not at this point. You know, like uh, I, I floated it out. There was one card recently that came up that I was like, wow, I would sacrifice a lot. And I did float <laughs> this out, you know, but it, it's like some cards I don't even show on my page. Cause I was like, I don't even want to DM about this. You know what I mean? And like, this is kind of one of them I was contemplating. I was like, you know what, maybe I should just tuck this away, but it is, it's so gratifying taking a picture, tagging your friend, you know what I mean? talking about it. So, and now it gets some, some, um, some clout on here. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, no, Um, that's funny. You say that too. I always run in that dilemma where it's like, you have a good grading order. You want to show off all the cards. Then you have 20 people messaging, hey, how much is this? And it's just like, yeah. oh, man, I'm just showing off the cards. Just some time to process, at yeah, least. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let yeah. me just think about it. Let me let me enjoy the card for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, a direction I want to move with this. So, um, you know, at least my understanding of my audience, um, at least from the comments some some of my other YouTube videos and just from the podcast feedback, a lot of people have been doing this a long, t- long time. Some people are fairly new to collecting. Um, so I want to ask a couple collections or questions geared more towards that. Um, so something that I was wondering, looking at your page, again, you seem super deliberate with the players and, um, you know, type of cards you pick up. How do you collect that many different players without getting overwhelmed? Could you touch on that a little bit? Well, I wish I had the answer for you, but it is a little overwhelming, honestly. You know what I mean? Because it's it's nice to have those rare searches where like the save searches on eBay where there's like, okay, there's six and there's seven. But when that thing says 99 plus over and over and over and you got to scroll through those things, it, it does get intimidating. So, you know, like I say, my searches usually start really defined when I like kind of see a card I like of somebody or, or a different sport. And then I'll just focus on that specific thing. I maybe put some bids on just see where it ends. But then as I, you know, kind of fall more in love for lack of a better word, but it is kind of that too. It, it, it broadens. So I have a lot of really wide nets in, in my searches. Um, and it, and it is, it can feel like work, but you know, it's also really gratifying when you find that just like needle in the haystack, you know? Um, so it's it, it takes time and sometimes I miss things because I have too many other things going on. But, you know, I, I feel like I, I do a decent job finding some nice things. Say, I'd, <laughs> I'd argue you've done a very nice job of that. Um, Thank you. So a question I have again to kind of in the same theme here um, and feel free to share as much as you're comfortable with or if you're not, that's fine. Um, so just curious, again, the breadth of your collection, the depth of it, the type of quality of cards you have. I know, I know it sounds like you've been doing this for decades. 
How did you go about doing this from like, let's say a financial perspective? Was it every paycheck I was putting away a hundred dollars? Was it when a card pops up, I'll make something happen. I'll sell other cards to get it. I just feel like these kind of questions I always have. So I imagine yeah. someone else has that question too. And again, you don't seem like um, a guy who would, you know, blow all your money on cards, right? You seem to be pretty strategic about this. So I'd love to hear um, what kind of journey that was for you. Absolutely. I mean, and in and, and full honesty, this started as a way to make money. Like, I mean, I got back in the hobby because it was something I love, but, you know, I was living in a tiny apartment with four kids, you know, not four kids, four people total. You know, I, I was maybe like 19, you know, wasn't planning on going to college, kind of had, you know, a low paying job, you know, stuff like that. And we live in an expensive area. So, you know, I was kind of selling some stuff that I had going to these shows and it was going well. And actually just like this, I was at a coin show, actually, we kind of, uh, what's it called? Fiddled with that a little bit too. But, uh, I brought my cards there and everyone was more attracted to the cards. So, so I'd done a few of these coin shows and then someone came up to me with, uh, a lot of like vintage cards or mostly rookies. Like it was like a Marino and Elway and a Manning stuff. Um, so, some mantle, some key vintage stuff tops. And I just bought the lot. I remember it was $500. It was like, I had maybe 1500 bucks in my bank account for my family. You know what I mean? So like that was a huge investment for me at the time. And it that's where it all started. So I was able to kind of just like snowball that stuff into things. And then as my career advanced, I was lucky enough to, you know, do well. And, you know, my wife was able to graduate, uh, get a job. Um, we bought a house really young. So we were able to, you know, that kind of helped me acquire some bigger house uh, cards um, through the sale of that. And now we're in a new place. So, I mean, there was a lot of life events that happened that definitely helped. Um, but, you know, I always try to keep like, I guess I'm bad about it now because I just have cards brimming from everywhere. But like, I will say like some of the services, like the vault services where where they catalog all your stuff and then they insure it. And then you kind of get a, a hard number of kind of what you have to leverage against your debt. So I see everything as a bottom line. So like, to me, I don't really, I don't always track the single value of a card. I'll say, hey, like, this is my card spending money. I have you know, between like, I usually keep between like five and $20,000. Just I'm being really. Yeah, no, I really love weird. the logistics. But okay. sure, as much as you're willing. Like, I usually do about five to 20,000. Sometimes it gets to 30 and I feel uncomfortable of credit card or some yeah. other sort of loan debt. And then I carry a lot of cards. And my thinking is, so every few months I get it down to zero. Like I just, it's my goal to get it down to zero and then restart. So then when I'm at zero, in my mind, everything after that is profit, I guess, mm -hmm. or, or like more positive cash, right? So, um, and then I feel comfortable just like doing things like vacations and, and stuff like that, providing for the family. So like, I never really over leverage myself too, too much. Like I know people that, well, it's not fault to their own. It's just their strategies, whatever. But um I feel like I don't over leverage myself too much, but it can feel pretty heavy on you sometimes, I will say. So I definitely need to sell stuff usually to acquire more things. So um, the thinning process lately has been extremely painful because I have only I, I used to be very good at buying things to sell. 
And I'm not good at that anymore. I, I just buy things that I really enjoy, which is good and bad, you know what I mean? But the decision making lately has been especially difficult. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. It sounds like to me, I mean, again, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like I'm hearing somebody, it's almost like you're an investor in real estate, you're leveraging, and then you're making sure you're never actually truly deep in debt, but you're using that in a smart way to acquire certain things. And then if push comes to shove, you have to sell a card you have, you do it. I know I run into that too. I guess it's what we all kind of do almost when you send that big PSA order, right? Because you send it off, you haven't paid it yet, but it's coming, you know, it's coming. And I know that feeling where you just, okay, I'm going to sell cards over the next two months to pay for this order. Um, it sounds like that's kind of what you're doing. That's really very interesting. I appreciate you sharing. I feel like yeah, those kind of I, questions don't get asked. And I'm always wondering, yeah. like, again, how, how does this happen? And I have like a, a, a top 10 to 50 to 100. You know what I mean? It, it goes out like this. So then at the end of the day, if I'm down to 10 of my favorite or best cards and I have no debt and I can pay my bills and have a good lifestyle, then it's like a victory. You know what I mean? You have your cards. It's still an impressive, you know, collection in my eyes, even if it's the card that I pulled when I was a kid, like those survived, you know what I mean? So like when you're cutting down, it's like, it, it, it changes, you know what I mean? But they're like the, the somewhat of like, okay, I can get to this point, even though I made a lot of sacrifices and still be really happy. Oh, for sure. And that's like, it sounds like that's kind of the benefit. And I've heard this before. I think Jordan Northwood's card collector does a similar thing where you kind of really understand where is the hierarchy in your collection. You know, if you have all the cards stored in one box, doesn't mean they're all, you know, worth the same in your mind, irregardless of value. Right. So that's kind of the way you do it. Then you kind of have a, is it, is it truly written down? Like super, like I know where this one fits or you just have a kind of a feel for it, a gut feel for where this card is inside of your collection. Man, I live off this gut, man, this beer <laughs> gut. I just, I need to be better. I wanted to. And that's actually why I use like vault services to get myself organized. And it was nice because it catalogs, you don't have to take the pictures of the time. You know, sometimes it's so grueling just posting something for sale, right? And a description, stuff like that. So um, those type of services, they do attract me. Um, but, you know, like I have things, I, I keep a lot of things in the bank. Um, and those those are kind of like a lot of the untouchable stuff, um, you know, where like I really look to that last. So even when I look around me, there's still plenty of cards, you know, but it's the same, you know, you, you have like, it's different. I have different boxes and then it's like a, a base box, a refractor box, and then you got the Ovechkin box and the Gretzky box, you know what I mean? So it's all in my head. I, I should be better. And some people are fantastic at it and I am not. But you did have a good quote in there, Paul. You hide the ones you don't want to get rid of. You hide those as far away as you can. You put them locked in a bank. You don't have those within eye reach or hand reach. You know, and a lot of people, I get flack sometimes for, for you know, people say, why would you use vault services? I, I want to hold my cards. I keep cards around me all the time. I think yep. they're on my desk. But like, I don't want those in my sight. I really don't want that to tempt me. Like I made the decision, like, no, this is what I want to keep. And it's staying there and I just want it safe. And I, I visit it and I, you know what I mean? But. Well, and I suppose it's different for you as somebody who, like you've mentioned yourself already, you're always looking versus someone who's just collecting, but kind of stagnant and happy with what they have. It's like, like you're saying, it sounds like if I have them around me and then this big card pops up, I have to make decisions. 
I don't want these cards. I don't want to get rid of right in front of me because they might, yeah. you know, end up on the chopping block. That's really interesting. Big time. Um, so pause. I was wondering here, could I jump over to your, we'll, we'll call it the Mount Rushmore of your collection. Is that yeah. good with you? So I'll swap over. So on YouTube again, we have a visual. Um, I was just going to ask I, if you could just describe the card, you start touching on each one just so people on the podcast can get a, a glimpse. So, um, I mean, the first one here I'm seeing is a beauty for Peyton Manning. Could you touch on that card? Maybe, um, you know, any, any acquisition stories, anything like that and what this card means to you? Yeah. And actually I wanted to pick one from each sport. Cause that's kind of was a, a part of the topic and, and similar to some of the other things we've talked about, um, recently. So, uh, this is the rookie Peyton Manning, 24 karat gold out of Fleer Brilliance, uh, a one year product in 1998 that just crushed it. It might be my favorite nineties parallel of all time. This like, it's not even a card I even dreamed up cause I'd never seen it long time collector. Um, and it never really even, I never thought it would be attainable. I was like, wow, that's a great card. Um, you know, well, happy to see that in someone else's Instagram page. <laughs> Um, but it, it popped up one time on eBay and uh, Cad's Cards had it, which is an awesome collector. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I've got a lot of really nice cards off of him. And he's always really great to work with. Um, he had this and a couple other things. Um, I think I bought it with a Mahomes and like a Kobe. And uh, at that time, it was a ton of money for me. But I, I called uh, Volume Accumulation as a friend of mine, Chris, uh, and he was just like, buy it. Like, I didn't even finish my sentence. He's like, buy it right now. Like, that is the best card ever. You know what I mean? And I did. <laughs> I was, so that's how I got that one. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Paul. So these are numbered out of 24, right? Yeah. And then there's also, so how does this work? How does the set work? Could you explain that again? It was a little confusing. I've heard it before, but I know there's different parallels, different numbering on this set. Yeah, so there's only three parallels. So there's just the base, which and they all look the same. So it's a parallel, not an insert, right? Parallels is like the same car, just in a different variation. So you, you have the base and then you have the gold, which is 99. And the gold is more like a foil rather than like a chrome finish, right? And then you have the 24 karat gold with the with the chrome fi finish and it's numbered to 24, like, you know, 24 karat gold. Uh, and I mean... It just shines. It blinds. And it, it was a cross sport. Uh, it was in basketball and baseball. It was not in hockey, unfortunately. Um, but I also have like a Chipper Jones and I have um, I used to have a Rashid Wallace and a Chauncey Billups or no, no, uh, not Chauncey Billups, Sam Cassell. I had a Jamal Lewis. I think I still have a couple players, but I really so like another reason why I collect so many different things is I, I, I like sets too. So like, it doesn't matter the sport. Like if there's a 24 karat gold, like of anybody that was even just an all-star sometimes, like if I like them, you know what I mean? Like I have like a weird, like a uh, Chauncey Billups collection. Like I love Chauncey Billups just, and he was more than just an all-star. I mean, he's probably a hall of famer. He's a champion, whatever, but um, there's other guys like Rashid Wallace. I like that Detroit team. Um, just some random baseball guys in the nineties. Um, to me, it's just like the Mecca, a Kobe of this card would be like, that would be one of my dream cards ever. Like I would, if someone has that, I don't know. I can do some weird things to that card. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was gonna, I was waiting. I was like plugging my ears for whatever metaphor was about to come. I'm like, this podcast is now going to be marked as explicit, not clean for this episode. <laughs> no, I'll be good. I'll be good. 
But you can use um, your imagination. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, it's one of those cards too. That's really, uh, again, just to touch on it for one more second. Um, you know, I, I can only imagine if a Tom Brady of this card existed again for the same sport here for Peyton, I can't even imagine. I mean, I would, I, it'd be a half a million dollar card quarter. Million. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the, oh, yeah. you know, it could be anything, but that's the fun part about Peyton, man. It is, he's expensive, but affordable in, in, in every sense of the world. A hundred percent. And that's, what's always drawn me to him other than his personality and awesomeness on the field i mean like i mean i don't know he, he's the best bang for the buck and yeah the legacy card. man you can't go yeah. wrong speaking of legacy so the next card i see so i see an ichiro suzuki uh, some sort of essential credential you have to tell me about it what card is this and where do you get it from yeah so this is out of 2001 flare x or flare ex so this is um this is an interesting set you know i really like the design of this uh year flare ex but they did it a little different in this year, and they did it in basketball and baseball too. Um, so, and the numbering is different depending on sport. Um, so, I'll keep it, I guess, to baseball. I hope I get the numbering right. So, there's an essential credential now. So, in this year, they did the nows as just the veterans, people that were playing in the league, and they only had their credentials. They only had a now. They didn't even have a future, and that was either numbered to. 201 in basketball or 299 in baseball. Now the rookies, just the rookies had credentials uh, future, but they also had, it was either a base card. I think it's just a base EX. Their base EX was numbered to like a thousand, like 2000, like one, nine, 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 I think. And then, but all, and this was in football too, all the rookies, were credentials futures and numbered to 29. Wow. So I actually have um, the Drew Brees rookie, which is 2001. I was a Drew Brees collector. I love 2001 because you got, and I love 98 too. 98 has has Manning, Moss, Woodson. Love them all. So then you got 2001 and it kind of goes across the sport. You have three people I really hardcore collected, Poolholse, Ichiro, and Drew Brees. And then even 2001 has LaDainley and Tomlinson, it has uh, Steve Smith, Mike Vick. Um, is that Mike Vick? Yep. Yeah. So that was a big year. Um, so all those people in football have rookies that are credentials to twenty nine. Pujols, however, does not. He was late into the set, so he only has a Fleer EX base, and it's numbered to four ninety nine. But that's a sneaky rare card, much more rare than four ninety nine. It was actually a redemption. That could be a whole show about that card. I love that card. <laughs> That's awesome. And super, super, super cool. The uh, just, I mean, innate rarity scarcity here. I mean, just incredible. That's, I, I'm sure that you heard it on the audio, but I always said, wow. Cause I didn't realize, especially you having said the vets were, I think out of 300 or close to that. Um, crazy that the rookies were so short printed. I, I personally wish we saw more of that in the modern sets, some sort of built in, um, you know, just in the overall set built in like this, because, yeah, millions of parallels are cool, but they're not rare if you have a million parallels. Right. Yeah. I mean, this whole design itself only has 2029 cards for that entire design for each row. This this was the this was this card specifically was the longest I've ever looked for a card without finding it or acquiring it. This took this was like a 12 year search to find wow. this card. So um, that's I'm really proud of that one. I'm like still in shock i take that one out a lot and hang out you know yeah. <laughs> watch a movie you know just chilling yeah. 
Um, so I see. So up next, I mean, this one, I'm sure this would probably be one most are familiar with. So what do we got here? So that's a LeBron James um, Topps Chrome Black Refractor rookie number to 500. That was a local pickup. And that like uh, that felt like a big accomplishment to me to like when I got that, I was like, wow, like this is what it's about. This is a big card. So I got that several years ago when I was kind of like, you know, I was always hovering between like I, I did the dollar box cards, which I still do. Um, and maybe like, you know, I had cards up to like between three and six hundred dollars or something, you know, maybe a thousand dollars here and there. But then I would get scared and sell it right away because I was like, a thousand dollars. That's life changing, you know, like and, it, you know, and sometimes it is sometimes you need a thousand dollars. That's a lot, you know. And for a card, like I was still kind of in like the freak out mode, like I can't believe I can spend this much on a card. So when I got this. Um, I traded for it. And like, I think it, at the time, I don't know. I, I just, I think maybe it was like 3,500 and I was like, I'll give you 5,000 trade like right away. Like, I was just like, you know what? I want this. I'm not, it's not leaving here, like not in my hands. So this was at a local show in, in Fairfax, Virginia, um, that we made that one happen. And, uh, that was kind of like the pride and joy of the family for a while. Like I told everybody I had a people that didn't even know cards, my aunts, my uncles, cousins, friends. I got a, I got a tops Chrome black refractor LeBron James rookie. You know what I mean? Like I talk about like, you won't shut up about this stupid LeBron James rookie. You know what I mean? But I was so proud of that thing. Cousins, <laughs> brothers, sisters, mother. He, yeah. he knew, she knew about this card. Um, <laughs> so I ha- I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Um, so I joined probably in 2020. If um, I'm sure maybe you already knew that. I don't know if we've chatted about that. So I came in right when this stuff was like insane. I'm super relieved. I never, you know, got into any of the big cards. I was just buying cheap cards at the time. And obviously I, you know, I was like throwing in a couple hundred dollars every month or something like that. Um, so my question though, because I remember that so vividly, did was there ever a thought to sell this one again, especially with how crazy it was? And I'm not saying that in a sense of, oh, it's lower now. Do you feel? But I'm not asking that. Mm-hmm. I'm just asking from a sense of like, as someone who clearly this card means a lot to, how hard was that to not sell? Like, did you have that battle in your head a little bit? Oh, dude, a million percent, a million percent. You know, because like, because, but the thing is. I don't know. People sold me to sell it at 5,000. People told me to sell it at this. And you know, I was like, no, no, no. When it did get to a certain point, man, like I, I was like, wow, like that's just like, it literally was big money. And it still is in perspective. I mean, it's probably like, it's probably like a $15,000 card at this moment around there, you know, cash might be a little different. Um, and that's, that's substantial. So yeah, I mean, of course. And I did get some other LeBrons, you know, like kind of underneath to kind of like almost hedge my bet, I guess. So we're like, I would feel comfortable selling something really big. So I'll do that a lot, actually. So if I have a huge card of somebody, um, even if I believe in it, I love it. It's part of my PC. I'll just get like a really nice card, but like tears down of that same player. And then I could sell the big card and still kind of feel satisfied with my collection of that person. So like when, so when I was thinking about selling this, I actually went and bought like, like a a select gold and I had a spectra gold and I had, um, oh, I had, I bought five 2004 credentials Mm, of LeBron. So like, then I was prepared to like, if I needed to make a big move, I could move that LeBron and still feel really nice about my LeBron collection. You know what I mean? So, um, 
But, you know, that card was just so iconic that I just was like, at that point, I was mostly collecting marquee rookies. That was like almost exclusively what I collected. So, um, you know, at the time it was it was huge. But, yeah, definitely crossed my mind. So one thing that as you're talking to, I can just feel and, you know, from this whole conversation, you have like a super long time horizon, which I think is super impressive. And I think that gets lost a lot of the times, right? A lot of people are thinking it seems like in the, you know, a long hold is like three months or I'm going to collect this card. But then, you know, to me, collecting is I'm going to sell in six months. It sounds like to you, truly, these cards are like decade long prospects. Like you're looking at keeping cards for the foreseeable future. Do you have like an uh, maybe a silly question here, but again, a question that I was always kind of um, interested in. Do you like an end game when it comes to cards, right? Do you have like a dream scenario? Are you 70 in Bermuda? You know, you got your LeBron drinking a drink next to you. Like, what does this look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question that I probably haven't given much thought to, honestly. But I, I will say I am a long-term just like, that's what I'm thinking. I've been saving even you know, even when I wasn't making much money, even before I even had a family or was even in high school, I've always thought about like stashing away something for retirement. I've always kind of just wanted to have a plan to where like, I could never be like, all right, I'd always be okay. Or I could help somebody, you know? So I feel like I've done a pretty good job in that. Um, but as far as an end game, you know, it's a very tough. deep question. I understand that. So yeah. <laughs> if nothing comes to mind, that's fine too. It was just, I'm always curious about that. Cause I always battle that too. It's like, I know, you know, as someone who has started collecting, you know, here for about a year or two and like seriously where there's like cards again, I, I don't envision selling unless I, again, I can't think of the scenario. There's going to be scenarios, but um, yeah. I always battle with that too. It's like, I know, okay, I'm not taking these to the grave. You know, maybe my kids won't care about them as much. Maybe they will. I don't know. It's just a, you know, that's the question that I always yeah. kind of ponder. So, so for me, I will say like personal collection, I, you know, I know people, some people do get upset. We're like, Oh, this is kind of layered. So it's like, some people get upset. They're like, Oh, he said it was a PC card and now he's selling. So like, I'll never use the fact that like, Oh, it's my PC card. Like sell it to me. I try not to use those tactics (laughs) because, because life happens. It really does. And then for me too, I can really, take time and enjoy a card and feel a sense of accomplishment um, as a collector to be satisfied, you know? So I really can, even if it's a card that I, I, I love. So um, it's, it's nice to, you know, certain cards maybe sell to someone that like collects that person. And you're like, wow, that belongs in a new collection. It has a new home. And sometimes you are trying to get the most out of it because, you know, it's this, this isn't like we put a lot of time and effort and and blood, sweat and tears. You know what I mean? Like it feels like that sometimes, right? Like we're watching the games. We're on the edge of our seat. You know, like, I mean, the the time away from the family scrolling and, and shipping and, and th- that stuff. So like, of course you, you just, you want to get the most out of it in, in a lot of different ways. Like, you know, feeling the sense of accomplishment by finding that card you've been looking for by like maybe placing it in a new collection, maybe getting the funds to go to the Caribbean or something, you know what I mean? Like, and those cards all tell their own story. So like, I I remember going to Hawaii, like, and this was the first big trip I've ever taken. And that changed my life, honestly. And cards did that for me. They, they really did. I remember walking out of Chantilly and, um, Wes, um, 
Weston John on Facebook, his Oak City sports cards. I sold him an OPG Gretzky rookie, and it was like my baby. And I gave him such a good freaking deal walking out the door because he kept saying, no, no, no. But I needed money for Hawaii. Like, I was like, our whole family's going to Hawaii. Like, we snaked the system. We, we got like our, we got like a credit reward. So we only paid like 40 bucks for a family of four. We split it with a friend. We brought a whole suitcase of food so we didn't have to eat out every day. Like, we were really like grinding, you know what I mean? So like, I sold that Gretzky to me at that time. It was like a PSA six. It was huge to me. But like, I'll always remember that card and be thankful for that card because I remember being in Hawaii and being able to do what I wanted to do because I had the cash in my pocket. You know what I mean? So, and it's not like I gave up on Gretzky. I, I went harder even, you know what I mean? So, you know, as far as an end game, I don't know, man. It just, it changes so much. Like, yeah, I see myself on a beach one day, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. And, uh, you know, it. Hopefully I'll have some cards with me. I, I hope I can do both. Honestly. <laughs> I love it. No. And like, so huge thing you shared there, that was kind of a light bulb moment for me that I don't know that I've ever considered, but I mean, I'm sure I have, right. You do it every day, but you are getting value every day out of having these cards is what I hear, hear from you. Right. I'm hearing that you're taking the cards out of your collection. You're looking at them. You're checking them out. Every time you do that, you get enjoyment, you get some dopamine, right? It feels great. Yeah. So that it sounds like you really, value that. And then if you end up selling the card, you have those memories, you still had your, let's say like utility out of it, right? You had your enjoyment. And then the best part is it sounds like you've been able to turn that into some awesome life memories. So I think that's a good end game if there's ever been one. It sounds like you're living it every day, which is, you know, logic. I think a lot of people should follow. So thanks for sharing that. It was really interesting. Yeah. Thanks for asking the question. <laughs> thanks. Um, so then <laughs> I see here, our last one is a big boy. And I think it's out of Fleer Retro. Is that right? Oh yeah, 2012 Fleer Retro Hockey was was a, not a dud of a product, but a cheap product, and no one even gave a crap about for years. To be honest, I mean, it was just like 2012 Prism, um, and that's how a lot of great cards arose. I mean, you think about like Starquest Golds that were the cheapest, dumbest product, but like to get a gold was so rare because they made 10 million cards. You know what I mean? But everybody had them, um, so. You know, with this, what's so great about the, the Fleer Retro set is that hockey had the license to upper deck. So that means they can still print their great cards. They, you can print your your credentials and your Playmakers Theaters and your Jambalayas and, and your PMGs, all that stuff. So um, the green PMG to any player collector is just the Mecca. So... You know, I always thought about the Michael Jordan green PMG um, as just the biggest card on the planet. I, you know, I, of course, there's, you know, Babe Ruth rookies and 52 mantles and, and, and stuff like that. But like to me, you know, growing up in the 90s, um, and I didn't even watch Jordan that much, but just as far as like a, I don't know, standpoint of pop culture, really. Um, that card to me always stood out as as his number one card ever. Um, so that, I think that really translated big time um, into this and and what made 2012 Fleer Retro Hockey so popular. Um, it really blew up. Um, there is a Gretzky of this, and they're in pro uniform. So that's where it gets back to the licenses, right? So it's basically Ovechkin's pro uniform, 
you know, first ever PMG green numbered to 10, you know? So it's just like this one I actually bought as a set. Uh, I got the, I got the green, blue, red, and then some other things, you know, again, at this time, this was probably the most money I ever spent on on a card. Um, But it was a few cards. That's how I justified it to myself at least. (laughs) I was like, oh, well, it's, I'm getting three of these, even though it's this much money. But, um, but I still feel like I did really well and I was really happy with it. Um, they're just awesome. And, and actually hockey has an exclusive color, uh, a blue number to 50, which are actually gorgeous. They really are. I, I do. I tend to stick to the original colors, the reds and the green. Um, but the blues in many years are, are really limited. Some of them even to 25 um, some of them to 50, um, but they're great looking cards and which makes hockey special too. And just another reason. That's awesome. No. And I, 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 one thing you touched on here that I think is really interesting as well. Um, it seems like all the super, super collective things, no matter what you look at, they were trash at one point. There's just no other way to put it right. 86 Fleer. I mean, all these things that the yeah. old T206 is right. All this stuff. I mean, I don't know about T206, yeah. 52 Mantle for sure. Yeah. Um, and then I, I thought it was interesting too. You mentioned the green Jordan, and then you mentioned a couple other cards being Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle. An interesting part there for me too. And I agree with you. I think the Jordan green is arguably, I would say is my like top card. I would ever imagine ever seeing or owning. Um, yeah. I think point being there again, I'm going to come around to what I'm trying to say. It's not grade dependent. That's what I think is really, really cool. Yes. A Mickey Mantle 10 might outsell, but with all this trimming crap you see all the time and stuff, I think there's always going to be a what if these Jordans, irregardless of grade, you know, I, I, they're just incredible. So that, I guess that, that's yeah. that's my takeaway from one part of what you just said here. Well, well look at the Ichiro in the head headline. Mm-hmm. It's a PSA five. You can only you only know it's a PSA five if you took a freaking magnifying glass. <laughs> that thing's freaking gorgeous. I yeah. mean, you know what I mean? Who cares? It's a five. I looked for that thing for twelve years. Could be yeah. a one. <laughs> and you'd still be just as happy getting your yeah. alignment going to Bermuda when you're 70. You got yeah. it all lined up. So um, to wrap up here, I have a fast five. So these are the questions the hobby wanted me to ask, which means my wife and myself, I asked her for some ideas. <laughs> so she, first off, she loved your name. Mortal Kombat is the only game she can whoop me in, like absolutely destroy nice. me in, which is pretty cool. Um, so my first question is Liu Kang or Scorpion? Who are you taking? Who's your guy? Oh my gosh, probably Liu Kang, actually. I mean, I know Scorpion is a sexy pick, and that was my pick when I was a kid. Like, Scorpion was like basically my number one, but I, my wife games too. And when we played that, I was like, I'm kind of nice with Liu Kang. So, like, right now, it's him, but it's 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 changed throughout the years, for sure. That's, that's awesome. Um, and then, so, another video game question, then we'll get to cards. Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo? Super Nintendo like it's it's the the scales are literally like this super nintendo is my favorite console of all time ever same so (laughs) we agree there yes awesome (laughs) followed by n64 but i don't know that might be a spicy hot take but um so next uh, 2013 select gold or 2012 prism gold if you could just have one which you taking for equivalent player (sighs) and regardless of price i should have said that just off design alone design alone Man, that's probably the toughest question I'll ever get. <laughs> Dang, you know, I I want to go with select. I actually have a select here. You can't really see it, and I and I'm, uh, it's a black Malkin PSA ten. Wow, one of one. So I actually took this out because we were going to talk a little hockey, but we'll just get that on our next God, podcast. We'll do. Oh, there will be more. There will be more. No, yeah. just, <laughs> 
So, um, but I also brought up a prison, which this is Nick Backstrom, Prison Gold. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I gotta go, I gotta go with the prism, but it's so close. I just gotta go with the prism because the Ovechkin is just like, I don't know, just my top ever. So it's tough, but I can't fight that logic. I agree with yeah. you. That's pretty sweet. Um final amazing. one here is Super Bowl ticket or Stanley Cup game seven. We're talking like front row, best seat you can get. What are you taking? And pass, you're a Capitals fan, right? Caps fan. Yeah, it depends on the matchup. It so just depends it, on the matchup. Caps or who's your football? Who's your football team? Oh, Caps or or um the Commanders. I guess the Washington football yeah. team is what so I what's your, you going to Super Bowl or you going to Stanley Cup game seven? I've already experienced the Stanley Cup, and that's why I would say Washington Commanders or football team. Uh, I'm an, I'm in I was a crazy big Redskins fan, even even more than the Caps for a lot of years. But they've done terrible for not even they've done terrible. I would stand by them. They've done terrible. It's just a shitty organization. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, but I've already experienced the Caps, so I was able to go to a game, and I was at game like game six. They won. Wow. And I was in the city. It was in Vegas, but I was in the city. I experienced all that. We did the parade. I, I've never had that for for a football team. So you I didn't I would drink take out of the cup at all, did you? No, I wish. And he was at a bar that I like. I didn't. I don't frequent any bar, but like this was a bar that I've been to many times. Um, so that sucked. But I did tailgate with uh, Ovechkin at one point. Uh, he was actually just next to us. He wasn't, I didn't, it wasn't with him. I stood next to him creepily, but yeah. um, I just said, thank you for everything. And uh, you're awesome. And I kind of went my other way, but I just stared at him the whole time, basically. So <laughs> that's super cool. I was going to say the classic um, meeting a famous person experience. It sounds like every, every time. Yeah. Super awkward. Just like, uh, hi, I don't know. I like, I mean, so Ed Reed and Emmett Smith and Ricky Williams all came to my table and Chantilly. Which oh no cool. way! So we had a so those are my sightings. I so guess. same thing. Thank you for what you're doing. It's good to meet you. Blah blah. Yeah, blah. it's like you're <laughs> awesome. You're just awesome. Good job at life. Like have a great day. Don't bother them too much. Say salute. You know, your mama um, loves you. Yeah, yeah. So final question. Um, maybe another tricky one. I'm not sure. So only 90s or only 2000s? If you could only collect one, what are you taking? Yeah, that's tough because 90s really, you know, the, the nice stuff comes towards the later part of the decade, you know, and then the 2000s, I think I'd go in 90s. I don't think it's, I think it's once, it's tough, but definitely 90s. By a landslide. Yeah, I think so. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Paul, for coming on. This was a blast. I could have talked to you for probably two or three hours. Well, Brett last week too, but same to you. Um, so where can people find you? For sure, Instagram at Wardle underscore combat. Are you on Twitter as well? Anything like that? I am on Twitter. I don't even know my name. I have no idea. I created an account just to follow Dan Vincent <laughs> and he does some sales. I get on there like every, like twice a month. So um, yeah, Instagram is absolutely the best part or the, the best way. I, I'm at Chantilly a lot. If you want to meet in person, I don't travel much for shows. I would love to. And, you know, hopefully in the future, but uh, if you're ever in Virginia, hit me up. Awesome. And I am going to, we're going to go meet Ovechkin together at some point. How about Sweet. that? Sweet. <laughs> awesome. well, thanks so much, Paul. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you.